When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good morning, afternoon, to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening, this is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. I say every Monday and Friday. We're not doing Friday episodes until next season, generally, as we get through the winter, get through the non-Royals baseball playing part of the year or years plural, technically, because the calendar year is going to change before we see that happen again. Anyway, you can keep up with me at the MFNKC and keep up with this podcast at Royal Deluxe Pod, both on Twitter or Twixer, that's what I like calling it. And check out fansforsports.com for written articles that I plan on putting out in the offseason. And of course, make sure you're subscribed or following this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Would really appreciate it. And thank you once again for listening. Great to see you all. Um, hope whatever team you're rooting for in the postseason is doing well. I don't know. Um, why did they have to make the Diamondbacks and Brewers play each other in the first round? Those were my two NL teams. Those were the two teams that I was really pulling for just in general because my American League non-Royals team of choice was the Mariners and you know that went so well I guess I'll root for the Rangers because we're friends with the Rangers now thanks thanks for Cole Reagans and all yeah I guess I'll pull for the Rangers uh would be nice to see them do I don't know I've always been neutral about the Rangers my entire life so I guess now I have a reason reason to root for them but the Brewers are kind of like my my NL team and the Diamondbacks you know I've I've been very complimentary towards the Diamondbacks I compared them um in a positive way that reflects on them and in a bad way to the Royals about the things that they did this season. Like early on in this season, I was saying one of the reasons I was, the, I was hypothesizing that one of the biggest problems that this team had was just that we didn't have a lot of veteran presence, you know, and I'm not talking like Hunter Dozier or anything. I mean like good old baseball players in this clubhouse. We were kind of just putting out a team of kids and telling them, all right, have fun, go figure it out yourselves Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks this season, 
they signed a third baseman. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Royals needed a third baseman like really badly. And the Diamondbacks actually kind of didn't, but they signed one anyway. They got Evan Longoria. And what does he do? Makes a game-saving catch in the postseason. Wow. Great job, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I, li- I like the Diamondbacks. I, I mean, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers, I think they're both similar organizations to the Royals, but again, in ways that are better for them and not so great for us. But, but like you know, I, I still like to think that we're on the right path. They lo- the Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago. Look at them now. So maybe, just maybe, in two years, the Royals can be there. Hopefully. Who knows? Anyway, what we've got to talk about today is I want to do a roster review. This is actually going to be a two-parter. There's going to be a second part for next week um, where I go over all everyone who played for the Royals this season. Give or take a you know a couple caveats. Um, and I want to go over my expectations for them for this season and then grade them on how they did this season. So we're, we're, I'm like the, I'm like a teacher grading papers. I looked at everybody and I said, okay, here's what they did this season. I'm going to give them just some kind of random arbitrary grade. And uh, yeah, today we're going to do this for the position players, because I think if we did this for everybody, it would take quite a while. So I'm going to, I, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm in no hurry to, you know, get out all the content that I possibly want to do this offseason right away. So we're just going to keep it to position players for this week. Next week, we will come back with all of the pitchers. Now, I did exclude Tyler Cropley and uh, what was the other one? Um, Logan Porter, just because they hadn't really played enough games. I made the cutoff 19 games because funny enough, there's two players who played exactly 19 games. And I figured, you know, that was enough to make some kind of impression. So that was the cutoff. So those those earlier two they'll be uh they they're free. They will not be judged. Everyone else though, they will not be spared. So I'm going to go in the similar order to uh when I did my expectations episode whenever I did this like at the very beginning of the season. I'm going to I like I like starting at the catcher position and then working around the diamond for the infielders and then going into the outfield. So that starts us off with Salvi, our captain, our beloved, our franchise hero. My expectation for him this season was play 120-plus games and hit 30-plus home runs. I figured if he just did that, I would be satisfied. And it's weird. I kind of thought that Salvi was injured a lot of the season. He played 140 games. Like, Salvi actually had one of his busiest seasons ever. So, good for him on that. But he only hit 23 home runs. In fact, his slugging was a not a career worst, but the lowest since 2014. He only slugged 422. Uh, he put up an 86 weighted runs created plus. I'm going to call this work plus going forward because I think that's funnier and it just makes more sense. I don't know why people don't call it. Uh, well, people don't call that blah, 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 whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a career worst for him as well. Yeah, Salvi, to be completely honest, was kind of disappointing this season. Didn't really do much behind the plate, both offensively or defensively. I mean, we know what he is defensively, not the best. Uh, but yeah, offensively, he really struggled. It just se- it just seemed like 
he never really found his footing. And I say like I I said that it felt like he was injured the entire season, even though he played this many games. But like it really did seem like something was just kind of off with him the entire time. Like he had nagging injuries the entire season and was playing through them because that's what he does. Salvi plays through injuries, but injured Salvi isn't exactly the the best hitter. Um, so I'm gonna be honest. I think I'm gonna. I'm going to have to give Salvi a D. I'm going to have to actually give him a failing grade because you have to understand that this is our highest paid player, our franchise player, the guy that we have the biggest expectations for, I suppose. Like, you you don't really want below average offensive production and below average, below a, yeah, below average defensive production from your highest paid player. The, the, the guy that you're like, all right, this is the franchise right here. So... Yeah, I'm going to have to be a little bit harsh and just say this was a failure of a season from Salvi. I I kind of hope it's not the last season for him. We'll just have to see, but I'm not really going to say anything for like what's going forward. I'll do I'll do expectations for next year when we actually figure out who's going to be playing on this team next year. So then MJ, MJ Melendez. That's right. I'm going to I'm going to slot MJ Melendez into the catcher slot into the catcher position because he started the season as a catcher. Royal said he was a catcher starting in this season um, that didn't last very long, fortunately, although it really shouldn't have lasted at all. I thought that was kind of a dumb move. Anyway, my expectations for MJ improved defensively hit at or around or above 230 with an on-base percentage 100 points higher than that. This season, he had 235 with a 316 on-base percentage. His defense was pretty bad, though. Not just at the catcher position, but in the outfield as well. Um, so he offensively almost hit the mark. The on-base wasn't quite there, but he did start to turn it around halfway into the season. Like, I, I, I thought his first half was pretty awful, but then his second half, you really started to see the potential. You really started to see the power come back. You really started to see him just take better plate appearances, and not even just, like, walking more, but just swinging and missing a lot less and hitting the ball more often, just doing things right, essentially. So I do still think that, like, this wasn't a banger season from MJ. It wasn't even all that great of a season, but it did kind of show us in the end that there is something there, and it does seem like he's turning it around a little bit. So I'm going to give MJ a C. I'm going to give him a, a decent C, Lots of room for improvement, but he didn't he didn't completely fail this season. By the way, I, I'm going to consider D a failure. I grew up and I went to a, I went to a private school, so D was a failure and when I was a child, so that's just what we're going to go with. But you can't have an F as well. Anyway, um, Freddie Fermin, our third catcher here. Freddie Fermin. Now he didn't have any preseason expectations because he didn't start the season. Uh, on the team at all, really. Uh, he was in the minors. But he played 70 games and accumulated 1.5 Fangraphs War, or Thwar. Thwar. Uh, he hit 281 with a 321 on base and a 461 slugging, and then you get average defensive metrics out of him. Freddie Fermin was a very, very nice surprise this season. I don't know if the that offensive output is going to remain consistent throughout his entire career. He's already 28, but he really did show that he he is a viable major league catcher if not a backup, like a backup if anything. But 
that's still solid. I think that Freddie for me was just a really, really nice surprise this season. I'm very happy with what we got from him. But for a guy who had no expectations, then yeah, this is about as good as it can get. I'm going to give him an A minus. I I I just think think that he did everything that he was asked to do and all and then some. So really can't complain at all with what Freddie Fermin did. Uh, I have someone else written. Oh, okay. It was it was Logan Porter, and then I crossed it out because again he only played eleven games. So let's move out of there and let's go to first base, the first base position. Hunter Dozier. Remember when Hunter Dozier played for the Royals? <laughs> Um, Hunter Dozier, my expectation for him, what I wanted him to do this season was have a one war season. Well, he hit 183 with a 253 on base, a 305 slugging. The power was just completely gone. A 48 work plus. He was released on May 27th. So I kind of think that speaks for itself. F. F's in chat for Hunter Dozier. Uh, a pretty big error in the Dayton Moore administration. But we're free. Well, we're not free. We still have to pay him $9 million next season. Yay. Thanks, Dayton. Thanks a whole lot for that. But at least we don't have to watch him play baseball anymore. At least not for us. Maybe another team will take a stab at him next season. I don't think he got signed anywhere this season. Although, I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to get signed. Maybe, maybe. I was kind of going to make a personal joke, but I'm just going to refrain from that. No, we don't need to be rude. We are, we are ready to, we don't need to, whatever. I'm going to move on. Matt Beatty, Matt Beatty, Matt Beatty, whatever his name is. Um, He played 26 games. He had 232 with a 358 on base. So I actually really like the on base right there, but a 304 slugging overall. It's an 85 work plus, which I guess isn't terrible, but then you're you consider that he's a first base DH guy. Yeah, that's not gonna cut it at all. Um he was optioned and eventually released on September 7th. So, um, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations for this guy. I kind of thought he was a quadruple A player just in general. I didn't really expect to see him in the majors at all. And, uh, yeah, he didn't really do much of anything. I'm going to give him a D minus if a D minus is even a real grade that exists in schools. Um, cause I, again, I actually like the on base percentage. I kind of like the on base skills, but that's the only thing he really had. So yeah. Vinny Pasquantino, man, I have high expectations for this guy. I wanted him to have an OPS plus of 125 or greater and I expected that to be the highest OPS plus on the team. He had an OPS plus of 108, which isn't bad. It's above average, but maybe you would want a little bit more from your first base slash DH kind of guy. He only played 61 games, however, because he was injured with a torn shoulder. So he missed the entire rest of the season from June 9th onwards. Yeah, um, do I even grade Vinny? Because it's hard to, like, judge a guy. I mean, I, these aren't these aren't personal judgments, okay? I understand some things can just be out of someone's control. So I'm, I'm going to say C for Vinny Pasquantino. Not because he missed time, but because when he actually was playing, he wasn't hitting all that well. He wasn't exactly, you know, carrying this offense on his back. Although, I guess, with a 108... OPS plus that early in the season. I mean, offense in the early part of the season was freaking terrible. 
So <laughs> I guess he was kind of carrying, but still not carrying it enough for it to really mean anything. Um, but again, that's probably due to the 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 inst- unstable shoulder that he had or whatever. So hopefully we're behind that. Next season will be better. Nick Prado. My expectations for Nick Prado. Post a strikeout rate under 30% and hit over 220. Well, he hit 232, so he did that much. He also struck out 40% of the time. And he had pretty much no power to show for it. Nothing he could really do positionally because he plays first base. Left field wasn't really all that great for him. Yeah, Nick Prado is in the is in the yikes zone, honestly. I'm kind of looking at him like I'm not sure what to do with him this offseason because you want to believe in his bat, but again, the power. Like, like there really was nothing with Prado's game this season that made me think, oh, yeah, this, this is like a former top prospect right here. It's like his game is just completely all over the place, totally out of whack. Hopefully something happens this winter to get him back on track. But honestly, F for Nick Prado. I mean, just the fact that he missed most of the season because he was on the minors in general, it's like kind of speaks for itself. So, uh, yeah, we just need a lot more than that from Nick Prado. Nick Lofton. I'm going to just kind of put him in the first base slot. I think he did play first base more often than uh, any other position. So whatever. 19 games. So he has that minimum cutoff, but he made a really solid impression in those 19 games. 323 average, 368 on base, 435 slugging. He hit 10 RBIs, batted in 10 dudes in just 19 games. That's pretty cool. Had some nice clutch appearances there, and he had solid positional versatility. So you're talking a guy that's called up late in the season. You're just kind of it's it's basically just a tryout. It's like all right, just get up there, do what you got to do. If it doesn't work out all that well, whatever, small sample size. But if it doesn't, hey, you might have a, a, a that that only betters your chances of making the team opening day next season. And I kind of think that Nick Lofton deserves a chance. I think that he has played himself into an opening day roster spot. I'm going to give him an A minus, only an A minus because he just didn't play that much. But I do think that he showed that he can play in the major leagues and that he's a guy. He's a guy you want on your team next season. He's a guy I want on my team next season, at the very least. Nicky Lopez. We're going to middle infielders now. Nicky Lopez. <laughs> I wrote down, hit five home runs. All right, talk about unrealistic expectations. He hit one home run for the Atlanta Braves. He was plus defensively, as usual, but he posted an 11.1 walk percentage, which is actually, like, pretty good. But it's Nicky Lopez, so he didn't hit the ball really ever. He actually, like, like even just hitting in general, he only hit, like, 220 with the Royals. Um, and obviously, there's no power in that bat whatsoever. But, I don't know, at least the walk percentage is decent. And then, if you know, you got the, you know, you got the defense. So there's something there. Uh, he was traded on July 30th to the Braves. So, overall, I mean, it's tough because he actually by war was one of the more valuable players for the Royals, but it's hard to really say that he was all that great for us. I don't know. He he seemed to be pretty valuable for the, for the Braves, but for a team that was losing, it's like, we need a lot more than a guy who's just a a good defensive player. That's not really helping us. So I'm just going to say C plus for Nicky Lopez. 
That's about it. Um, no disrespect, though. I love Nicky. He's a he was a cool dude. So uh, best of luck to him in Atlanta. Is he on their playoff roster? I'd have to I'd have to check that. I'd like to think he would be. That'd be cool. It'd be cool if he uh did something in the playoffs for the Braves. Michael Massey. My expectation for him was hit over 250, post a walk rate per over 5%, and strike out less than 25% of the time. Um, He did walk more than 5%. He walked 5.2% of the time, struck out 21.5% of the time, so we accomplished those goals. He hit 229 on the season, so he fell way below the mark average-wise. But if you take away that April... He hit 245. So he was actually pretty close for most of the season. That's, you know, I always have to keep saying that, you know, the the April, you have to, like, completely remove that from Michael Massey's season. And beyond that, you know, he had a decent year um, at the plate. Of course, he's going to be a fantastic defender at second base. I'm going to give Michael Massey a C+. Because again, that 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 April was just so terrible that it completely tanked his season. Just moving forward, but he at least was able to build off of it, um, improve dramatically from it, and become a pretty decent player for most of the season. So I'm gonna hold steady with Michael Massey. I think he's the starting second baseman next season. Although maybe you could make an argument for Nick Lofton being the second baseman and have Massey to the bench. I don't know, but at least for now. I like what we. I, I'm okay with Michael Massey. Definitely lots of room for improvement, but he already showed that he is improving. Samad Taylor. He played 31 games, 69 plate appearances, and he only hit 200. He had three extra base hits. He struck out 31.9% of the time. Yeah. Um, yikes, right there. We're hoping that Samad Taylor can be some kind of bench utility guy. But that's definitely not going to cut it. Though, for what it's worth, he did steal eight bases and he wasn't caught stealing once. So, there is something there, but definitely need a lot more from this dude. I'm going to give him a D. Not going to give him a straight F because he didn't play that much and he was bounced up and down the minors a lot, which I don't think was great for him. So, yeah, kind of is what it is, but we definitely need to see a lot more from him. I think he's going to open the season in the minors next year. Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, all right, here we go. My expectations for him, my goals for him, were to have a higher fielding percentage. Last year it was 959 and walk more than 7% of the time. He walked 5.8% of the time, so this was a failure of a season. Big F for Bobby Witt Jr. Total bust. Um, Trade him for peanuts. Oh, wait, actually, he had a 977 fielding percentage. So this season was an overwhelming success. That doesn't really tell the full story of what Bobby Witt Jr. did defensively. However, he was 11th in all of baseball for outs above average at any position, any and all positions. So Bobby Witt Jr., who was maybe the least defensively uh, viable player last season, the least valuable defensive player last season at any position, suddenly became one of the best in one year. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And then, of course, there's everything else he did offensively, which you know about by now. He had 270, 30 home runs, 49 stolen bases, 11 triples. Yeah, Bobby Wood Jr., 
you know, I, I only gave him these goals because I didn't expect too much. And I, and I haven't been expecting too much from Bobby Wood Jr. Because I don't want to, like, put the cart before the horse and, you know, say, oh, well, he's, you know, he was the number one prospect. That just means he should be automatically be a, an amazing player, right? It's like that these things take time. So I was saying rookie season last year, I'm like, if he's a two-war player, I'll be satisfied. Last year, he was a two-war player. So solid. This year, I'm like, all right, three to four war player. That's kind of what I'm expecting from Bob Witt Jr. Instead, he was a four to six war player. That would have been my expectation for next season. But instead, he he's accomplishing 2024's goals in 2023. So he's actually the one putting the cart before the horse, I suppose. I'm going to have to readjust my future outlook for this guy. But everything he did this season was just amazing. Literally cannot complain. I would say this is about as perfect as it can get for the Kansas City Royals right now. A-plus for Bobby Wood Jr. If anybody's going to get an A-plus, it's going to be this dude. And I am so excited for what he is going to do next season and many years to come. Hopefully. Sign this guy to a 13-year deal. Give him a blank check. I don't care. We need this guy. Michael Garcia. He did not have any goals going into this season because he was not on the team this uh, on opening day this season to start the season, but he did play 123 games, so you might he might as well have been on the opening day roster. He played a good chunk of the season. He hit 272 with a 323 on base, but only a 358 slugging. So the power, the lack of power, is it's notable. It only amounts to an 84 work plus, so that's pretty low. However, he was 10th in all of baseball. For outs above average. So Bobby Wood Jr. has some competition. And also consider that he played fewer games than Bobby Wood Jr. And he, so, so yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely something to be excited about with Michael Garcia. At the third base position, this is not the offensive output you would want. But if he played shortstop or even second base, this would definitely be a lot more manageable. And that's just something that he can't really control. He's not going to play shortstop because... Bobby Wood Jr. is going to play shortstop. Shortstop is a more marketable position, and Bobby has shown that he can play it, so the Royals are going to make him continue playing shortstop. So Michael's going to be stuck at third base, but I still think that, you know, he could have, he, he could raise his numbers just a little bit, get to like a 90-95 way he runs creative plus, and be someone like Ryan McMahon on the Rockies. I know nobody really wants to emulate the Rockies, but that's not a that's not a bad player at all. He's like one of the few good players on the Rockies uh, just because he's so great defensively. So, I'm going to give Michael Garcia a B for this season. Um in fact, actually I'll, I'll, I'll give him a B plus. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to be nice to Michael Garcia because this was his rookie season, so Offensive numbers don't concern me too much. The defense is something to really appreciate, though. So, I like that. Matt Duffy. Uh, Matt Duffy is an interesting one. He played 78 games for the Royals. He hit 251 with a 306 on base and a 325 slugging. Jesus. That's a 72 work plus right there. And he was also below average defensively. But at least he played a few different positions. I guess. And I mean, sure, it was he was below average, but he wasn't terrible or anything. He wasn't unusable at whatever position he needed to play. Uh, he only had a negative 0.1 for war. So he wasn't terrible, to be completely honest. Just a kind of faceless bench piece that the Royals had, and they kept him the entire season. I'm okay with that. 
Um, but yeah, nothing to really celebrate here. D, it's about all I, I, all I can really say. He was here. He, but he was, he was, he was a guy. He was one of the players of all time on the 2023 Royals. Just can't really say anything. Uh, wish him all the best in the future. No, I do not want him back on the team. <laughs> I don't think the Royals are going to re-sign him. Franmil Reyes. Man, this guy. <laughs> 19 games played, so there's that cutoff again. He had a negative .5 war. Fa war. Fangraphs war in 19 games. He struck out 37% of the time. He had a 519 OPS. He was our designated hitter for most of those 19 games. Yeah, he was released on May 11th. Speaks for itself. F minus, honestly. Although I, I, I don't blame the Royals for signing him. I think that this was a decent signing right here. I was actually kind of optimistic and I said, hey, you know, maybe this guy can, you know, crush some bombs and that would be pretty cool. He could be, I don't want to say the Brandon Moss of this season because Brandon Moss wasn't good either, but like, I don't know. I was I was kind of thinking that he could be a decent bounce back candidate because I think he hit 30 home runs in like 2021. So I thought, yeah, this, this is okay. And if it doesn't work out, then whatever. They only paid like a million dollars for him. Just cut him early on in the season. Exactly what the Royals did. So whatever. Sure, he contributed to the losing in the early part of the season, but like if he wasn't around, would anything have changed? I don't really think so. Um, Next. Kyle Isbell. By the way, this is a completely random order, just kind of based on how I wrote this list last year that I wrote over the list. Anyway, Kyle Isbell. My goal for him was to hit 250 at or at or above 250. He hit 240 in 91 games, but that doesn't really tell the full story. His bat just in general wasn't very good. Pretty low on base, non-base below 300. Not a very high slugging either. 75 work plus, so yeah, he was a pretty awful hitter, all things considered. But, he did have 11 outs above average, which is 21st in all of baseball at any position. So, Kyle Isbell can definitely play center field. He definitely has a lot of value there. He, According to baseball reference, he was a two-win player this season, just because he was so good at, at uh, running around in center field and making catches out there. So, there is something there with Kyle Isbell. We just... If only he could hit just a little bit better. I'm going to give him a C plus. Because um, overall, like his offense wasn't like completely unusable. His glove did make up for it a bit. We just, if only he could hit a little bit more. Just, I, just, I just wish I could get a little bit more out of this guy. And Edward Olivares. My goal for him was 115 OPS plus or greater. Olivares is tough to grade because he had a 109 OPS plus, 263 average, 317 on base, 452 slugging. Um, he had a really great end of the year. He had he had 329 in the month of September. He posted career lows and strikeouts, career high and walks. So looking at his bat, it does kind of look like things are just trending upwards for this guy. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I don't really know if I really believe in this guy long term. I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess this isn't about future outlook. It's about what he did this season. His bat was there. 
it fell short of expectations for what I wanted from him. And, and I said he needs a 115 OPS plus or greater because his glove is terrible. He's a really, really awful outfielder defensively. And sure enough, yeah, that really tanked his value. So sure, he did have some positive value with the bat, but it was almost completely canceled out by the glove. 0.3 war, according to baseball reference. That's it. So yeah, for how bad he is of a fielder, he needs to hit a little, he need, like 109 OPS plus isn't cutting it, frankly, unless you really want to put him in the DH position, which, you know, we've got a lot of guys we want to put in the DH position. So I'm going to give Olivares, I'm going to give him a C plus, to be honest. I don't even know if I really buy into the offensive improvements because he started the year hot, but then basically from May until like June or July or so, he was pretty bad offensively and then he was optioned in August I believe came back in September and you know had a hot start again finished the season really strong but I just I just think he's too streaky that's the thing I mean if he was hitting at this level like 263 consistently for the entire season then sure maybe my opinions of him would change but I just I just can't really buy into him personally I don't really see any consistency with his game Nate Eaton he was on here. Um, he, I, he he made the opening day roster. I wanted him to maintain a, a 95 OPS plus or or a little bit lower than that. Or maybe a little bit better than that. Um, it doesn't really matter. He played 28 games. He had four hits. Um, yeah. <laughs> F for Nate Eaton. Sorry. Love the guy. Hope he can get it together. Would like to see him in the majors, and I would love for him to succeed. But yeah, that was a that was pretty bad for for what little we saw of Nate Eaton. Drew Waters. Um, I might have had some kind of high expectations for him. I wanted him to cut up to cut down on the strikeouts. He struck out thirty six percent of the time last year, so I wanted a little less than that. Keep the walk rate above ten percent. It was like eleven or twelve percent last season. And post an OPS plus of 120 or greater. That might have been unrealistic. I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably should have said like 100 or 110. Um, he struck out 31% of the time. So he did cut out, cut down on the strikeouts. He walked 8% of the time. So he didn't maintain a super high walk rate. And he had an 85 OPS plus. So that definitely fell well short of the mark. But maybe my expectations again were a little bit exaggerated um one thing that is interesting about drew waters is he did hit the ball harder this year like considerably so maybe there is some adjusting going on and maybe we'll see some something better next season um he played a decent center field not like an amazing one but a decent one um and then kind of like a plus at the corner to be honest so i don't think drew waters this season was like terrible it was okay i'm gonna give him a c plus um i do think that his offense wasn't you know it wasn't really there but he did show flashes he did show potential um and hopefully this will carry on into next season and and the defense is there so i i definitely believe in him defensively um you know if the royals have to keep him in center field and that would be i i'd be okay with it i wouldn't be so worried about it um, like kind of like I was going into the season where I'm like, eh, I don't know about him in 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 center field, but if he can play it in the corner, then he'd be freaking awesome over there. But then he'd have to really hit. So we'll see. But yeah, C plus, just kind of an okay season for him. Not really great, but 
not really what you want to see, but it wasn't terrible. Nelson Velasquez. Oh boy, was this guy just <laughs> an out-of-nowhere dude. He played 40 games, made a very short impression, only had a short amount of time in the majors this season. And in 40 games, he hit 14 home runs. He drove in 28 RBIs. He had a 346 isolated power. If that qualified for the full season, that would be the second highest in baseball, only behind Shohei Otani. He barreled the baseball 21.4% of the time. That would be the highest in baseball. Shohei Otani barrels about 19% of the time. Um, yeah. Nelson Velasquez might be like an insanely legit dude that the Royals are extremely lucky to have. Who knows? It's, it's, it's a very small sample size, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get carried away with expectations here, but I'll just say for what he did this season... A freaking plus. Like, what more do you want from this dude? He was fantastic. And sure, he's bad in the outfield. All right, whatever. He's got a bat good enough to DH. Keep him at DH. Don't make him field. Yeah, very happy with what we got from Nelson Velasquez this season. And, you know, again, going forward, I, I don't know what to expect completely. I'm really hoping that this isn't like a an Aristides Aquino situation, if you know who that guy is. But he was a he, he played for the Reds, came up in like 2019, hit like seven home runs in his first 10 games. So that was like a new major league record, and I think he ultimately hit like 20 home runs in less than 60 games or something. Yeah, that was insane. But here's the thing: Nelly barrels the ball more than Aristides Aquino did in 2019. Nelly hits the ball harder than Aristides Aquino did in 2019. And also, it's not 2019, so we're not dealing with baseballs filled with the extra sweet Kool-Aid like they were in 2019. So there really is, like, stuff to really believe in with this guy. We're just going to have to see. But, man, am I happy with what we got this uh, season from him, from what little we had of him this season. Jackie Bradley Jr., can you believe that this guy played more games than Nelson Velasquez? Although, not really the Royals' fault because they didn't get Nelson Velasquez until halfway into the season. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. played 43 games. And hey, for what it's worth, he had four outs above average. I was really hoping that he could be like the new Michael A. Taylor on this team where, sure, you know, he's not going to hit all that well, but he he's a really, really great defensive center fielder, and that's going to really matter in Kaufman. And yeah, like I said, Four outs above average in forty three games. In forty three games, I think that speaks for itself. But he hit one thirty three. He had an OPS of three seventy seven. Not an on base percentage. Not a slugging percentage. An on base plus slugging percentage of one thirty three. Three three seventy seven. Yeah. Um. He was released. I don't remember when exactly. I didn't write it down. But obviously, he didn't finish the season with the Royals. So. I'm going to give him an F. If if only he could hit to like an 80 weighted runs created plus, he would have been solid legitimately. Well, kind of like Michael A. Taylor was, but nope, couldn't even do that. Dyron Blanco, he's the last guy we have on the list of the position players. He had only 138 plate appearances in 69 games, but he had a 775 OPS. He had a 108 work plus, stole 24 bases, and one out above average in center field. So 
or I don't even think he played center field. He might have played the corners. Yeah, he, he did play the corners a little bit, but still one out above average in the outfield and a 108 uh, way runs, uh, runs created plus. Yeah. You know what? That's kind of what you would expect from Dyron Blanco. He, in fact, I think you would expect a little bit less from him. I think that the only thing he was really here to do this season was just to get called up whenever and just provide speed on the base path. That was this guy's game. He stole like 46 bases in AAA in like 50 games or something ridiculous. So you knew that you were going to get that from him. You know, you, you knew you knew you were going to get a speedy outfielder who get the balls quickly. So he'd be fine defensively. And yeah, he did that, but then he actually hit a little bit decently. He actually hit a little bit decently, maybe a little bit better than what we were expecting. So I'm pretty satisfied with what we got from Dyron Blanco this season. I'm going to give him an A minus. You know, I, I feel like for a bench piece, that's exactly what you would want. And I think that you can actually expect him to, to see him again next season, probably on the opening day roster. I do really think, I mean, I don't know if he's like, he's probably not good enough to be a, you know, a uh, a regular player, but he could be like the, the Gerard Dyson of the 2024 Royals. And I kind of think that's what his role was for this season. You know, he played a few games, but didn't bat a whole lot. But when he did bat, he was in a situation where he could succeed. So. I really like what we got from Dyron Blanco. Pretty excited for him moving forward. And um, yeah, those are my grades for the Royals position players. Not a ton of failing grades, which might surprise people, but I don't necessarily think this season was so bad because of the offense. And again, it was also proportional to expectations. So maybe some guys I wasn't too harsh to because it's like, well, I about expected that from them. Yeah. All right, so there are a few things that we I still want to talk about, just a little baseball general stuff, I suppose, a little postseason talk, and also the presser that John Sherman had. I want to say yesterday, but at this point it would be a few days ago. I'm recording this on Friday morning, but we'll talk about that after the break. So I'll see you then. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So when was this? This would be um, Thursday, I believe. No, Wednesday, actually. J.J. Piccolo had a little press conference, an end-of-the-season press conference, just kind of talking about how he felt about the season, where the organization's at from his perspective. And it, it didn't really reveal a whole lot of new things, in my opinion, but it does kind of express the kind of general manager that I think he is. And the most important thing about that is, the, mo- the most important aspect of him is that he is not Dayton Moore 2.0. All right. If you if you seriously genuinely think that date that JJ J. Piccolo is just Dayton Moore all over again, like actually see what he's reading, read what he is saying. He is like quite literally the opposite of Dayton Moore. So one thing that really stands out to me is that he said, and and I'm kind of getting my TLDR. I I, I got the TLDR version from Royals Review, so shout out to them. But one quote that he said is. I can't sit here and say that I think 24 is the year that we definitely win the division. All right, now, te- now tell me Dayton Moore would ever say that. Dayton, yeah, Dayton Moore would totally be like, oh, yeah, no, next year, I don't think we're really going anywhere next year. No, Dayton Moore would be sitting here thinking, oh, no, th- this, this, this season was well within our expectations and we like where we're headed. We think we're moving in, in, a, in a good direction right here. Another thing J.J. Piccolo said is that, yeah, actually, this, year, this season was a disappointment. This was not what we wanted. He did admit, you know, the quote is, I don't believe we're a 106 loss team, but our record is what it is. We can't run away from that. 
true. And I totally understand what he's saying. I don't think this is a 106 loss team either. I mean, if you want to go by Pythagorean record, the Royals underperformed by almost 10 games. Their, their record, based on how many runs they scored and how many runs they, are, they allowed, is 64 and 98, which, I mean, isn't good, but, you know, it, it would feel a little bit better if that was the record we had this season. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, our record is 56 and 106. So we have to live with that. Um, that, that, that's all, this is all stuff that just shows that this organization is a lot different now. This is not, Dayton Moore would not say these things. Um, he did also say that the coaching staff is going to return for 2024, although there might be some additional rules. And Andy Rogers said, um, all members of the Royals coaching staff will return in their same roles for 2024, but perhaps... There might be an addition or two to the staff based on what manager Matt Quattrero needs. Um, I'm fine with that. I don't have any issue with the coaching as it is right now, except for maybe like Vance Wilson. I just kind of look at him and be like, what What does he do? You know that DJ Khaled meme that's just like, what does he even do? That's That's me with Vance Wilson. I'm not sure what his role is. I don't know. I guess it's an important one and people like where he's at because... Uh, he's still around because we all complain about him, not just this season, but last season a lot. So I don't know. It is what it is. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with what JJ has been saying in general. And I've been fine with kind of like what um, uh, John Sherman has been saying with about the team in general, because I feel like they're, they're optimistic, but they're very honest and they are still realistic. They, they, again, they're willing to admit mistakes that are being made and have been made. And they seem to have ideas as to how to correct them. And we're just going to have to let them see. This season was pretty bad. Um, the evaluation year and all that, that was kind of an overused sort of word. And I kind of describe this season as not really an evaluation year. This was a damage control season. This was a this was the season of damage assessment. It's like, okay, how bad is this organization right now? Turns out the answer is really, really bad. This is just finding out what they have after years of mismanagement, seeing what they can work with, if anything, where, you know, and, and things like that. And, um, yeah, the answer is it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> things are pretty bad right now. But obviously saying damage assessment, saying, hey, we're in a really, really bad spot because the last guy who ran this organization didn't know what he was doing. You know, that's that, that doesn't really, you know, you don't really hear people say that publicly a whole lot. Uh, just wouldn't, it's not a very quote unquote perf- professional thing to do. So that's how I see this season. It's over and we're just going to have to see what they do moving forward. I think this is going to be a very interesting and very busy off season for the Royals. I expect, I actually don't expect a ton of free agent signings ex- except for maybe pitchers. Um, as far as position players go, there's only like one or two that I can really think of. And I'm, I'm not really sure who they would commit to in, in terms of free agents. Like I, I think they can get an outfielder and then maybe like a backup infielder just as like a veteran guy. You know, like a Matt Duffy sort of thing, but hopefully someone a little better than Matt Duffy. Um, JJ did also say that um, he didn't like clarify how much the Royals are going to like spend this offseason. Um but it's, it's super, payroll is only projected to be $66 million 
next year. And he said specifically, what whatever the rules of engagement are, it's our job to get the most out of it. Whether it's 100 million, 120 million, 80 million, it's our job to get the most of it. Teams have won with lesser payrolls. So that's how he is approaching the sort of a payroll just in general. And that's another good point. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter like what your payroll really is. What matters is the players themselves. I mean, the, the Mets are a pretty good example of having a suit, having of a having a really high payroll and not getting the most out of it. Or the Padres are another example of that. Lots of teams, honestly, a lot of the high spending teams, the Yankees, the White Sox had an almost $200 million payroll this season. Woof. But yeah, it, this is just going to be a wait and see sort of thing with ownership and the front office. Like if, I mean, if nothing is really done, if we don't really see all that much done in the off season, and then we go into 2024 essentially with the same roster that we already had, then it's like, okay, um, these guys are full of crap. Or at the very least, John Sherman is full of crap. But if, you know, they make some moves and they actually show some a, a, a real willingness to change, to change course and to improve this team, then you know what? I think that, I think that, I, I mean, that's all we really ask for at the end of the day, right? I mean, of course they're, like, sure, we all want the Royals to win another World Series, but again, like J.J. Piccolo said, we can't just sit here and say that's going to happen. Like, like as much as we want it, that it's probably not going to happen, just the way things are right now, and there's just, and there's literally nothing that can be done about that right now. The process to get to a World Series, it can still it can still work. Anybody can do it, theoretically, hypothetically. The Royals have as much power as anybody else. Again, hypothetically. They just need to actually do that. It's a long process. It's a multi-step process. So for anybody who's looking at 2023 and being like, oh, everybody should be fired and all that, it's like some of these things really do take time. I mean, if the Royals lost 106 games, no general manager was going to really do much about that. Like what? Like really? What was any general manager was supposed to do? Again, and I think I've had this conversation before, but it's like, okay, sure, maybe not every general manager would have so- signed Jordan Lyles, but like, then who do? And, and I've always brought this up. It's like, okay, if, well, if you don't sign Jordan Lyles, who do you sign? Who do you actually convince to, you know, sign with a team that lost ninety-seven games last season, hasn't had a winning season since twenty fifteen? You know, and and all that stuff. Like, 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 what were the Royals realistically supposed to do? What was anybody realistically supposed to do? And how much would that have actually changed if the if if you play if you replaced Jordan Lyles with whatever the best free agent pitcher last season was? How much more does this team actually win? Does that add ten wins to the team? Okay, cool. You lost ninety six games. Big whoop. That doesn't really change much. We'll find out. In a couple of years, if everything is going well, or if everything has gone well, kind of like how when John Sherman took over in 2019, everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people were like, oh, Dayton Moore is definitely getting fired after this, right? But no, he's he, he just let everybody do their jobs and see if it would pay off. And then it didn't. It's like, okay, well, I waited three years and uh, everything actually seems to be getting worse as opposed to being better. So um, get out. So now you've, they bring in it, bring in the next guy, and it's like, okay, you've got a couple of years, and if things are better, then you're doing your job properly, and if not, then okay, well, now things, now, now we need even more change. I think change is already happening. It's just going to take a minute to show whether or not it actually uh, has any meaningful consequences. If that makes sense, if it translates to winning at the major league level, that's essentially the thing. 
But there is a lot, a lot that goes into winning at the major league level. And it's not just simply adding players to the major league roster. It starts in the farm system. It starts with just acquiring players, I guess. I mean, not just adding in free agency, but like trading and all that stuff. Scouting, coaching, lots of lots of things go into Major League Baseball, aside from just the people you have playing these games. And even if we did want to simplify it to just the 26-man roster, well, again, this is a roster that was inherited by J.J. Piccolo. It's going to take a long time for him to draft and develop 26 new players. So I just kind of think the state of the Royals for 2023 was what it was, but they have a lot of power to change things for 2024. And hopefully 2024 will be a much better season. I'll take a season like what the Tigers had this year, honestly. 78 and 84, I'll take that for the Royals next season. I'll take what the what the Reds had, 82 and 80 actually fighting for a playoff spot pretty much to the end of the season because 84 wins got into the National League wildcard last year. That'd be awesome. I'll take that, but who knows? Can't really can't really get, make any guarantees with what's going to happen. Just We're just going to have to see what they do in the offseason, and hopefully they do a lot in the offseason because it does seem like they have a lot to do, and they've acknowledged that, so... We're just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to put whatever trust we can have in them. I know a lot of people don't trust them, but again, who 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 else do? Who else do, can, are we supposed to trust? I don't know. Trust nobody, but I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, how about that? Trust nobody, and if nothing happens, then I'll be mad with you guys. I'll I'll be the first one to complain because I have a lot of I have a I I am putting in a lot of trust is with these guys with John Sherman and JJ Piccolo. So yeah. They 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 better they better clean up this mess right now or else you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna complain about them on the internet. And I know that they don't want that. Don't worry guys, I got this. If if they don't do exactly what I want, they're gonna hear about it. I'm gonna make my voice heard. Hell yeah. All right. Um, MLB postseason. Like I said, I'm re- actually recording this Friday mon- Friday morning, so this isn't entirely up to date. But it seems like th- I think the wild card series is already over. Oh, did every team get swept in the wild card series? Did every team win two to nothing? That's hilarious. Well, obviously not every team. There were losers that lost two to nothing. That's kind of funny. Kind of interesting, actually. Uh, so the Phillies beat the Marlins. That was expected. The Phillies just like it almost seems like they were too good to be a wild card team. Um, that that lineup is just crazy. Like like the Phillies are interesting. The la- I think last year exposed them as a team that's not exactly great in the regular season. But then you get these guys into the playoffs and you do not want to mess with them. Um, interesting. I I'm really interested in what the Phillies will do this postseason because um Aaron Nola is like my number one free agent target and I and I really it, it's hard to really imagine what his value is going to be because his career has been so inconsistent but if he pitches well in the postseason that's probably going to add a lot to his value so um just something worth watching right there I I still like to think that realistically the Royals can get him on a few year deal 
for like 20 million a year, maybe a little less than that even. Um, but who knows? It's really hard to predict what this guy is um, going to command in the offseason. And this postseason is going to really contribute to that. Uh, good season by the Marlins, though, all things considered. They did all right. They were all, they're always a team that I was interested in seeing do well because I really like some of their players. I've always liked Sandy Alcantara. I just like their pitchers in general. Like All of their pitchers are just awesome. Jesus Lizardo is a banger. Um, Yuri Perez is like one of the most fun was one of the most fun prospects to watch going into this season. Um, and Jazz, Jazz is one of my favorite players in the league. I love that dude. That's a guy I wish we could have on the Royals, but he didn't do much in the postseason, unfortunately. Oh well, but you know, good. not not a bad season by the Marlins for real. Brewers just got crushed by the Diamondbacks, and it's hard to like even imagine what exactly the Brewers did wrong. Like, their, their starting pitching just shut off, and the Diamondbacks were just better. It's like, okay, well, that's awkward. <laughs> uh, good job to the Diamondbacks, though. Shout out to them. Like I said, they're, they're a team that I've been really excited for, a team I've been very complimentary towards. To, so seeing them not only get into the postseason, but actually beat the wildcard series, it's like, hell yeah, dude. All things considered, their, their season was a, an overwhelming success, even if they get swept by the Dodgers again, which I think, I say again because I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened in 2017. They they won the wild card game and they got swept by the Dodgers that year. So they play the Dodgers now. <laughs> um, have fun, you guys. Uh, the Twins won. The, the Twins not only won a playoff series, but they won a playoff game. I can't believe this. I actually lived to see the Twins win a playoff game. Um, shout out to the Blue Jays. You know, got a feel for Whit Merrifield. Dude has been stuck on the Royals. He he got screwed out of being on the Royals in 2015. Showed up in 2016 when everything was in decline. The party was over. And then just grinded it out with some terrible teams. And was always talking about how he wanted to go to the playoffs with the Royals. And then eventually just like rage quitted. And was like, I, I someone please get me the hell out of here. Goes to the Blue Jays. They have a terrible playoff series in 2022 uh so they lose in an embarrassing way and then 2023 they once again just <laughs> lose in an embarrassing way it's like man <laughs> is it, is this what you wanted is this what you waited for wit all all of those years of losing so you could continue losing in the wild card series jay scored one run across both games although he didn't even really play in the wild card series so you, you can't blame him but he was definitely vocal about um changing out pitchers in the second game, getting rid of Jose Barrios for y- Yusei Kikuchi. So that's now two po- that's now two front offices that I think Whit Merrifield has successfully pissed off. Although, he's a lot more agreeable in this one. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to the Blue Jays. You know, I, I never really took the Blue Jays all that seriously. I would just look at their roster and be like, they're not that good. This team is not that good. I just, I just didn't really find them all that interesting but then they would keep winning and like for the last few weeks i've been doing this power ranking thing this weekly power rankings for r slash baseball the baseball reddit and um yeah when it came to the blue jays i would want to put them below other teams like the rangers even like the cubs at a couple of points the diamondbacks um you know the phillies and i and, and the and the and the mariners but 
And, and, and again, I just look at them and I'm like, this team really isn't that good. But then they would just keep winning. And so I would just be I would just be kind of forced to put them up higher. I have to put them in the top 10. I think they got as high as number six for me at one point. Maybe that's how they ended the season. Maybe they were like number six. I don't remember what my final rankings were. Uh, for the last week of the season, but still, it's like okay. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with them if they're just going, if they're just going to win games. That speaks for itself. But then they just get crushed out of the postseason. It's like, oh, they weren't good. I was right. I feel, I feel vindicated by that. So yay me, I guess. And then Rangers, uh, kind of beat the crap out of the Rays. Rays were another team. It's like. I don't want to say the Rays were ever not that good because they won, they won how many games? They won 99 games this season. So obviously they were good, but it did it did seem like they not necessarily struggled in the second half, but I just didn't feel like they were all that well-defined in the second half. It's like, what is this team exactly? What do they do specifically that's you know better than other teams? Like, sure, they have good pitching, but their pitching is always out of whack with injuries, some inconsistencies, honestly. Um, their lineup is really good. I'll, I'll give them that. But the Rangers, you know, the Rangers, the Rangers are a very top-heavy team, and that's the kind of team that you can you 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 can often expect to succeed in the postseason. It's like, yeah, sure, they only have like three good pitchers at any given moment, but that's all you really need to get through a po- through the postseason through the rotation. Three good pitchers, and then just have a bullpen. Oh wait, the Rangers don't have a good bullpen. Well, remember when the Philly, when everyone said the Phillies would have like the worst fielding team ever, and then they fielded really well in the postseason last season. Maybe that's what's happening this season. They held the Rays to one game across two two games. <laughs> they held them to one game across two games. There we go. Another classic Royal Deluxe quote. They held them to one run across two games. So yeah, yeah, you know, I guess I like I said, I, I think I'll just pull for the Rangers because they're they're all right. They're kind of nice guys. Um, I think we can all uh, expect the the Braves to win the World Series, right? Like it's definitely Braves, right? Like they're 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 the scariest team. They're the best team, and I think it's by a significant margin. Like the Dodgers are good, and I think that'll be a good NLCS Dodgers Braves. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't know about the Dodgers this season. Like they're they're good, but it just doesn't feel like they've been excellent for most of the season you know I mean they did have a really really great second half but I don't know I just don't believe them in them too much and then there was the Orioles and you know shout out to the Orioles for winning 101 this season but I still I I think they're too young I think they're I think this is going to be like I think if the Orioles make it to the World Series and I'm going to assume it's Braves on the NL it's going to be like the 2014 Royals where it's going to be a good World Series but you know they ran into the team that's experienced They've all, the the team that won the World Series two years ago, and you know the 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 Orioles this year. It's just a bunch of young guys who have never even played in the postseason before. So I I just think they'll be just a little bit outmatched. That's kind of how I see it. I, so I think it'll be Braves Orioles World Series. Braves are going to win again because you know that just feels like the normal outcome. But then again, what has been normal about this season? Aside from the Astros screwing everything up and the Mariners being a disappointment and the Royals also being a big disappointment. I don't know. But hey, at least we don't have to watch the Yankees, Red Sox, or Cardinals this season, this October. That's cool. So that's something that's not very normal, and we'll appreciate that. 
Maybe maybe we should embrace the the weird, the irregular. Maybe something else is going to happen. Maybe it's going to be a Twins World Series. Maybe it's going to be, a, if it's a Twins Diamondbacks World Series, let me just say, that will be the best outcome ever. That would be the funniest thing I've ever seen. Not the funniest thing I've ever seen, but a pretty funny thing, indeed. All right, I'm going to stop waffling now. I'm going to go. I'll see you guys next week on Monday when we're, we'll review every pitcher that threw a pitch for the Kansas City Royals into 2023 season. Until then, keep up with what I'm doing at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's the podcast Twitter where I post all my baseball stuff in general. And at the MFNKC, that's my other Twitter account for less objective stuff and more random stuff in my own life, which I will often forget to actually post to that account. Anyway, uh... Further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of this podcast. Give me some feedback or ask some questions. I can respond to those on the show. That would be a lot of fun. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on whatever plat- platform you're listening to this on. Leave a rating and a review. Tell me what you thought of it. That would help me out a whole lot. But if you don't do any of that, then no hard feelings. I love you all the same. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. And I hope you're having a good one. I'll see you on Monday. Till then, I've been Lux, and go Royals!